This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome and good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be at this lovely hour uh, here in Los Angeles, 9 a.m. Hot and muggy, but we do, you don't you usually get muggy. We get the hot, and, and it's, it's great. Um, but I mean, it's uh, this morning at 7.30, it's already 80 plus degrees, and, and I don't know, 80% humidity. I know there are those of you who are in the southeast saying, hey, oh, that's nothing. We're at 100% humidity. But uh, anyway, for us, it is, uh, we know what you're going through. We get the feeling of uh, just walking outside and starting to sweat. You haven't done anything yet. So as a precaution, watch our dogs. We talk about it all the time, is that you want to be careful not to overexercise them. It's certainly in the heat of the day, but now when it's like hot all day. I remember two years ago, I was doing a spot at a local uh, station in Vegas in August. And I'm flying Southwest Airlines and the uh, we land. And it was about 10.30 at night. And the uh, pilot gets on saying, welcome to Las Vegas, where it's a cool 110 degrees. Now, you know, if you know any of Southwest Airlines, they're always trying to be cutesy. They're trying to be funny. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're borderlining a little stupid, but certainly uh, they try. And um, I get out of the plane. It was 110 degrees. So when you talk about, well, when, should, when can you walk your dog? And we're going to talk about a new rule coming from, I think it was, oh, I have to see where it was, but they, there was a, uh, we'll get to it where they have an, a new rule about dog walking, which is great that they are insisting on it. But um, I think this person's a little bit off in their recommendations or requirements someplace in Germany, but it's crazy. Anyway, a couple of things. First of all, foxtail season. You know, typically by now, at least by us, it's kind of on the way out. But uh, this was a, in some parts of the country, we are now at the heart of foxtail season. What's a foxtail, you're saying? So a foxtail is a plant on. They call it a foxtail because it, it, it starts with a sharp point and it looks like a weed. And it's, as it goes up, it has more like it's shaped like a little tail. So they call it a foxtail. The problem with foxtails are they only know how to go one way. It's almost as if they have a brain and they are traveling, they migrate, and they have little microburrs, which don't allow them to go backwards. So they can only go forwards. And um, they will find a place to go in. And I'll, I'll tell you the popular places where we find them. Between the toes, in the ears, up the nose, in the mouth, getting stuck in the tonsillar crypts, believe it or not, up the behind, but really anywhere they can penetrate. But once they penetrate, once they make that hole, they will migrate and migrate and migrate. There have been cases that we've, you know, in literature where a dog has a back problem, severe back problem, ends up being put to sleep because of the severe spinal infection. And on postmortem, what do they find in the spinal canal? a foxtail. And it carries a bacteria called actinomyces. And um, they can be very dangerous. So symptoms, obviously, anytime you have a non-healing wound, the body is pretty amazing. It doesn't close where it's not supposed to. So you can treat, if there's a migrating foxtail, it's somewhere up by now, you know, it could be up mid arm, all right, mid leg for a dog, between the toes, you see the drainage tract. We go in with a, a forceps, a special forceps called an alligator forceps, which has kind of a long, it looks like an alligator, only the little tip opens up, but it's really long, trying to grab the fox. You're doing it blindly. You, you really, you're just following the track. So they are so difficult to get out. If you think, if you can't find it, 
So you say, you know, soak the foot, we'll wrap it, we'll put a drain in, whatever. If it's still there, that injury will heal. But then a week, two, like two weeks later, it's opened up again, just telling us there's still something in there. And the body is saying, uh-uh, we got to get rid of you. So um, they're very, very tenacious. They're very hard to find. Up the nose, you're going to see a dog that's going to be, <laughs> and you'll see some blood, usually one side. Um, they'll be rubbing their face on the carpet or against the wall. That's a clear indication that there might be a foxtail. Um, we had a dog. I had a dog once we anesthetized. This dog would not eat. The mouth was the, the smell. You, you couldn't be in the same room. Opened the mouth, and we saw, I pulled up 42 or 43 foxtails from the back of the mouth, tonsillar crypts. I mean, this poor dog. So anyway, beware of them. Look them up so you know what they look like. Where you walk your dog would be a good idea. When you come back is check in between uh, the toes and the bottom of the feet. Lift up the tail. Look at the behind. Open the mouth. Check the mouth. Hold the gums away and check that out. Very, very important to try to find them before they migrate. Lift up the ears. Make sure there's none trying to get down into the ear canal. Pool safety. So I have, well, I have a lab and, and some little dogs. Little dogs aren't really swimmers. Frenchies, pretty much all dogs know how to swim. Many of the dogs don't like it. And some physiologically have a tough time. I'm amazed when my French bulldogs have fallen in the pool that they can swim. Do they love it? Heck no. You talk about bug eyes, put a Frenchie in a pool and you watch those eyes bulge as they're running for help. They are swimming as fast as they can. You couldn't move your feet anymore. That would rival a propeller. So the most important thing really for any dog who's going to be in or around a pool, you need to teach them where the steps are. You have to get in. They need to know what direction to go, where the steps are. That is of critical importance. Then you have a dog like my lab who can't stay out of the pool. Our baby gate around the pool, our pool gate is really not for my grandkids. So obviously they're all pool safe, but it's for my dog because if it's not there, I'm afraid that he will exhaust himself because you cannot get him out of the pool. He knows how to get out. And if you get a tennis ball, he gets out once. He gets in, gets out, gets in, gets out. But he just likes to go in and swim. So very important this time of year, if you have dogs that are around a pool, especially if you have dogs that like to swim. And now if you have a dog, a breed, by the way, that you should know, or you do know it should like to swim, a retriever of some sort, a hunting dog, they like to swim. So what I did with our last Labradoodle, because he was afraid of the water, it seemed, but he's a, he's a poodle and a Labrador. They both are swimmers. So this dog was crazy, crazy ball motivated. So what I did was I took a ball, a tennis ball, and I would play with him around the pool. Then I would throw it in the pool, okay, and he wouldn't go. So I did was say, okay, smarty pants. I picked him up, carried him in the pool with me in my arms with a ball with me. And then once we were in the pool, I tossed the ball. Well, he took off after that ball. And um, that's what he said, wait a second. This is fun. I like this. I can do this. And he was an amazing swimmer. He wasn't my crazy lab that would dive in off the, you know, go 30 feet in the air, but he would go in. He always went in on the steps, but you could not keep a ball out of his mouth. It was amazing. So, um, and he was, he was, by the way, magnificent swimmer. He was grace in the water. He, you didn't even see a splash. It was a gorgeous glide. Every, every paddle, he was just amazing. So just be careful out there. CBD in the news again. We talked a little bit about last, uh, last week with the American Vet Med Association coming out with a sort of a guide book. So still more work and studies need to be done before you're going to get a veterinary industry recommendation. And the biggest issues, of course, are safety, efficacy. But the key now, as opposed to many, many, many years ago, when many of you, many of us, many of me may have participated There are 
there were you have one choice. Now there are 30 choices. If you go into a, a marrow, a pot store, as they call it, all right, a dispensary, you're going to see so many different varieties, different strengths. There has to be some standardization. There has to be a way for us to know, for you to know, if you are going to share some of your product with your dog, how much you can give per body weight. We have to, almost like a drug. It is a drug. So we have to break it down to how many milligrams per pound or milligrams per kilogram. And so you can know, and then that means every variety has to say on the label, X milligrams of THC, of CBD per weight, whether it's an ounce, whether it's a pound, whatever it is, or a volume, if it's a liquid. So we need to know that in order to move forward with being able to comfortably recommend it for your pets. This is interesting. I'm glad I didn't go to school there, that the veterinary school, University of Georgia, very well known, the Bulldogs, right? They have a program. It's a bee health program. And so what they're doing is not that many of us are afraid enough about bees. I certainly don't like them. Building hives on campus for students and residents of the, of the area around the campus to experience, to get some clinical experience about bees. No thanks. I'm glad that Davis didn't want to do this. And whatever vet school or wherever you live, I'm sure that you're not going to walk into an area that uh, so you can learn about bees. We know enough about them. Their stings hurt. And uh, if you're allergic to them, they can be deadly. So I'm staying away. All right. Oh, here it is. So this was in Germany, as I mentioned, a German lawmaker. She proposed the following. I thought it was very interesting. It's a dog walking law. Well, on the onset, that sounds great. I think there should be a law, a rule. If you're going to have a dog, you need to allot a certain number of amount of time, a certain number of walks, or at least exercise. If you have a huge expanse of several acres to them to run around it, that's okay too. But this is the law now. They're requiring dog owners of the country's 9.4 million dogs to ensure their dogs get walked, check this out, for at least one hour, at least twice a day. Can you imagine... Now, maybe with COVID, you have a little extra time on your hands, but can you imagine walking your dog two hours a day? I mean, really, guys, that is excessive. 20 minutes at the park, take a ball, take a Frisbee. Oh, my God, you will wear them out. Put, let them go in a pool. You will wear them out. Take it for a walk in the neighborhood, 15, 20 minutes, a couple of times a day, three times a day, which is what we do. That is going to be fine. One of our walks is longer. It's maybe a half hour, but they don't need one hour twice a day. That's a bit excessive. And you can imagine... Uh, that this law is um, a lot of the pet owners are uh, opposing this new law. And I'm sure we will hear more about it. So just sit tight, more to come. So don't forget your cat's exams. And we, you know, we talk about this all the time. It's gotten a little bit better, maybe because we're learning more about our cats. But cats, first of all, they seem to be more hardy than dogs in that they don't need us as much. They are fine fending for themselves. And therefore, they also are very good from an evolutionary standpoint of hiding their ills. So you may not realize, nor do you know to look for certain things in behavior, in, in motion, in appetite, in attitude that might be telling us there might be something wrong with our cats. So even though the vaccines are improved, the rabies shot, if your municipality even requires it, is three years, though there is the, the Felivax, which is a, a, um, a one year, which is, 
I like it better, the pure vax. It's a, it's a better vaccine, I think. But three-year vaccine for rabies, and many states, California doesn't even require it for cats. Then you have the FERCP. That's a three-year leukemia. If you use it, if you need it, because you have an outdoor cat, that's a one-year. So, And even that's, I think, going up. So bottom line is that just because from a, a vaccine standpoint, we don't need to see your cats every year. We do need to see them for good physical exams. So uh, just as an FYI, don't forget your cats, get them in. I don't have to worry about it as much with my six cats because I can do my exam at home and I know them and I can give them their vaccines, et cetera. But it is just really, no, apparently in a survey, half of cat parents either knew or suspected that they are not giving their cats enough veterinary care. Well, this is great, but then why not do something about it? So that's also very important. And this I saw last week, it is a dog sharing. Have you ever heard dog sharing? Raise your hand. Who of you would be okay sharing your pets? And that means that have them for, let's say, half the time, and then having them go to someone else's home for the other half, possibly someone that you don't know. Apparently, this is becoming a big thing. People that either travel or for whatever reason can't have their pets. It doesn't mean like six months, six months. It could be two weeks a month, the other two weeks a month. So people that travel, instead of having their pets go to a doggy daycare or having a pet sitter come in or trusting your kids, which might be very challenging, they're going to take care of good, good care of your pets while you're gone. So why not find someone else who's around when I'm not around, but is may not be around when I am around, and let's coordinate with each other's schedules and share our pet. So you know, it makes sense. It would be cheaper than uh, boarding them every time you have to be out of town. The only things you have to be careful is you have to try to keep their lives as normal as possible. So if you're going to do this, if you are considering it, and I'm sure there's probably a website now, look up dog sharing. You might find one. Find someone in your neighborhood that you are feeding the same foods, that you are trying to keeping about the same schedule, making sure you share the same bed back and forth. It's going to cause a problem if there's too much differentiation between the two locales. So you want to try to keep as much as you can control as controlled as possible before venturing out and saying, you know, yeah, sure, take my dog for two weeks. And then when you go out of town, I'll take him. It might be a challenge. Anyway, what I think would be even better is to try to come up with a friend or someone that you know that would be willing to keep your dog when you are out of town and you make a deal with them that you'll take care of their dog when they're out of town. That to me makes more sense. And that way you both get your dogs pretty much 90% of the time and the 10% of the time because of traveling, vacation, whatever, you know your dogs are covered. You know, they get along with the other dog and you don't mind having the second dog. Your friend who you're doing with, they don't mind having your dog. And, uh, you know, I'm sure with me, it's going to be tough with four dogs and six cats. It's not easy to find someone else. Oh, by the way, can you take care of my 10 pets for two weeks? Uh, sure, no problem. I'm sure that's not going to happen. Anyway, don't go away when we come back. We're going to ask you a question. Think about it. Do you know your vet's name? We'll be right back. Looking for a dental treat that does more for your dog? Daily Dose is a two-in-one chew that pairs a daily dental scrub with powerful supplements to help with the biggest health concerns facing our dogs. Daily Dose was developed by vets to be simple to use and super effective. Plus, dogs love the taste. Available for joint, skin, heart health, or calming. Daily Dose, your pet's daily dose of awesome. Visit yourpetsdailydose.com to save $3 on your first bag with promo code PETLIFE. 
That's yourpetsdailydose.com. She's a purebred, orange and white, Brittany. But when we adopted April, she started scratching like crazy. I said, what you put into a dog is what you get out. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. So we added a huge scoop of Dynavite in her bowl. She looked it clean. She loved it. Her coat is now soft. It's silky. Dynavite is nutrition. You get some Dynavite. How happy your dog will be. On Dynavite. She's Little Miss Hollywood. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Gerber. Here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And I had a question before I left. Do you know your vet's name? And how did this come out? You know, first of all, every now and then I get to sit on my soapbox. And here's one of those times. And, um, you know, doing my telemedicine platform, AirVet, I take a lot of calls. And um, I like to know who the vet is. So I asked them because I, a, a lot of our vet hospitals are AirVet hospitals. And they hear about AirVet through their hospitals and are recommended after hours when the, the vets are really busy now with COVID, you know, before going in and waiting and, and doing curbside outside, go on to AirVet because it may be a problem that you don't even have to go in. Anyway, I'm, I talked to a lot of clients. Now, remember a couple of facts about veterinary medicine. The largest pet owning segment of the population, millennial. The fastest growing, the millennial. The most spending, the millennial. And I'm realizing something and talking to a lot of millennials that I asked them, so who's your doc? Oh, um, I don't know. I, I go to this place on so-and-so. It's like, what? If I, How many parents out there, moms out there listening, if I asked you who your pediatrician for your kids, would you know? Uh, you would have a name like that. Of course you know. And how is it that you don't? Your pets are our kids. And what I'm seeing is, let's look at famous doctors. I mean, let's go back. You know, Dr. Marcus Welby, right? Dr. Kildare, Dr. Doug Ross, George Clooney on ER. Dr. Joe Gannon, Chad Everett, right? You, you know these. Dr. Gregory House, you know the doctor's names. And most parents know their pediatrician. I even know my, my grandkids' pediatrician. And when I hear that the world is changing, people, they don't care about relationships anymore. And I think, honestly, to you know, get a little bit of a point-counterpoint, I totally would love to hear from you, that a lot of the corporate practices, they don't want to create that culture where you are stuck to your vet. If you ask one of my clients, who's your vet? That Jeff Werber, that it's going to be like literally like as fast as they know their pediatrician, even faster. And because for me, it was all about the relationship. I want to be from that pet when it's a puppy or kitten. And I want to be the one to say goodbye 13, 15, 20 years later, whatever the case may be. And we try to build that and encourage that culture, which is why also when I left my practice after I sold corporate, that 80, 90% of my clients followed me because they knew they didn't care about the location. They cared about Dr. Jeff. And so what I'm finding out is that as I talk to other industry leaders, that the relationship for the millennial is becoming less and less significant, less and less important. They really don't care. They want quick. They want convenience. And they will faster telemedicine. 74% of millennials surveyed said they would actually leave a practice that doesn't offer telemedicine for one that does. 
So clearly, their interest in developing a relationship with a doctor is much less important then I want to get in, I want to get out. I don't care. I don't care about personality. I just want my, my pet looked at. I just want my pet treated. I just want them to have the surgery. I just want them to get better. They don't care about anything else. So I find that so disheartening on one hand. And if you were to ask me, one of the things that has kept me going as I'm in my 37th year of practice is it's the relationship. The stuff that I see on a daily basis now, I've seen it all. I, I've seen almost everything. I mean, you know, of course, there are things out there that I, they do. I still consult with my good friend, Dr. Dave Feldman, who's a board-certified veterinary internist, and the surgeons at the surgical facility. Of course, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see some zebras out there. But as far as the horses, and I, again, you know, when I compare horses to zebras, that means the things that are more likely, the most common versus things that are very esoteric that you may not see more than once or twice in a lifetime, a veterinary lifetime. I've seen all the horses. I can I make diagnosis pretty much on the phone with two words coming out of the client's mouth and I already know what's going on. But what keeps me going and loving it is the relationship, is being with those pets, is holding them, is cuddling with them, is that affection. When I walk into a waiting room and that dog charges me, jumps up on my shoulders, giving me major tongue, that's what makes this so much fun. And I think it's so sad. It's a sad statement for the future veterinarian who may not get that, either because they start working someplace that doesn't encourage it, where you can't, the, the client can't come and say, as they're leaving, oh, I want to see that doctor again. They go, no, no, we just, because we have, we rotate doctors, so whatever, when do you want to come in? Oh, you want to come in next Monday at 10? Okay, we got to next Monday at 10, you'll be seeing Dr. So-and-so. And they're okay with it. I, it's unbelievable. My client would say, no, when is Werber working again? Oh, six months from now? Oh, wait. I mean, obviously, I'm a little exaggerating a little bit, but uh, more like four months. No, just kidding. So uh, the thing is, my recommendation would be that your experience as a pet parent, your experience is as to trust somebody who really, really knows your pet, who really, really knows you. Because as I often say to young doctors, don't put on those blinders. Don't think that this is the textbook way that I'm supposed to treat. That's great, but that's not reality. Reality is that you, what makes you good is being able to adjust, be able to have that flexibility to know that, yes, I might treat that vomiting six-year-old Labrador for this guy one way, but for this person, I have to treat it this way because they can't do the other way. And I need to find out what's going to work for them. That's someone that you want to look for. So if you think about it and you really don't know your vet's name, that means one of two things. They were unimpressive. You aren't taking your pet to the vet enough to develop a relationship, or you are at a place that is discouraging that because when you develop a relationship with a particular vet and that vet leaves, the fear, of course, is that all of those clients are going to leave as well. So the owners of the practices, whether it's a person, a couple of people, or a corporate, they are trying to discourage that amongst these young veterinarians. And my message to the young veterinarian is tough. If they want to do that, then you're working at the wrong place. You want to, what's going to make your life happy, especially in a general practice situation and scenario, is having that relationship, having that bond, knowing that pet and knowing the pet parent really well, where you sort of become part of the family. Just like our pediatrician, my kid's pediatrician, who's now my grandkid's pediatrician, lives three or four blocks from us. And we, we are friends. And he's been practicing as long as I've been practicing. And um, that's what you want because you want to pick up a phone sometime and start talking and that doctor knows all about you and your pet. Whereas if you're just seeing any vet at any place and they get on the phone, they don't know you from Adam or Eve.
And all of a sudden, it's like, you're just another number. You don't want to be a number. You want to be a name. So think about it. If you can't tell me your vet's name, then rethink it. Maybe you're going to the wrong vet, or maybe you need to change your attitude because in the future, trust me, you're going to want to know your veterinarian. Anyway, that's all for me. If you have a difference of opinion, I want to hear it. I'd love to uh, argue this one back and forth. You know, I'm the idiot that, as, as you know, my clients not only know my name, they know my cell phone number and they call me 24 seven if needed. And guess what? It's the best thing in the world because you, for me, I mean, I know I'm doing some good and it's great to have that feeling of really being liked and wanted. And I think your veterinarian probably would feel the same way, but you got to make it happen. And, and he or she, I'm, I lecture now, I'm, I'm going to be, this is one of my lectures when I talk to veterinarians is that I am so unimpressed with what's going on in my profession with this that I'm going to do my best to turn it around again and have that bond, have that relationship between veterinarian and pet and pet parent. So anyway, that's all we have time for now. Thanks for joining me here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. If there is any subject that you would like me to talk about, throw my two cents in, pick my brain. As I say, there's still a little bit of it left. um, So take advantage of it while you can. Um, And uh, just let me know. You can write me to drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. And for those of you who aren't following me on Instagram, at Dr. Jeff Werber, want your followers. It makes me look good. Something has to make me look good. So I'll, I'll take that. And, um, and of course, if you need any after hours, log on to AirVet, sign it up, free to join uh, AirVet, and then put your vet in. If they're not, then you can put me down as Jeff's Telehospital as your primary hospital. And we can talk anytime, 24-7, with a live veterinarian. Most of the things that you are concerned about and think that you need to go in now can probably wait. 80% of them can wait. So it's important to have uh, to be able to talk to somebody. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Stay cool. Keep Remember your pets. Keep them cool. Keep them indoors. Keep them in shade. Plenty of water. And no keeping them in a parked car at all. Very dangerous, even deadly. And don't exercise in the middle of the day. All right. You all have time for us. So have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.